Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles, the international international edition. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, macabre, New England's own Van Helsink. With me all the way across the pond in the land of the Red Dragon, the... Wall Street Journal's most <laughs> whatever. It's Wall gone Street... wrong again, hasn't it? Uh, Wall Street Journal's. Uh, I'll, qu- I'll quit while you're ahead. Quit while you're ahead. Hunted. Steve Parsons, there you yeah, go. Just, just quit while you're ahead because that went wrong again. Yeah, whatever. You and write we'll, it down. We're listening live right here on Tochinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Crackle Radio, Tickle Radio, and wherever else. We are. There you go. So, how are you, Mr. Parsons? The book's out, selling the main copies? Uh, yeah, well, actually, uh, bizarrely, it peaked at uh, number 10 on Amazon for about, about an hour. Well, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You just don't throw that. Peaked at number 10 on Amazon. Well, it is. Well, only in one section. Because, yeah, well, one it, tiny section. It wasn't like it was the bestseller on Amazon. Uh, it was oh. in the same section as James Randi. And yeah, whatever. So he's a crackpot. So yeah. he got, well, so. it peaked. And by the time, because <laughs> then it slipped back down again. It's now worth about number six billion. Which means you probably sold two books at that time. Nobody else sold any. So there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not complaining. No, not it complaining. was fun. I love seeing that stuff anyways. But um, I just got back from uh, Soul, Wind Soul Studios, where I'm doing a couple of events coming up and. One of them will be in August, the ghost hunt at the da 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 da, da old man's. Yeah, why do you keep doing this? You keep doing all these events just before we get there or just after we go again. It's like deliberate plan. No, that's what I do. No, it's like a deliberate plan. You know, you always do the, the old man's just before I get there or just after I've gone. Oh, you've it's already like, done it. I'm sure you don't want to do it yeah. again, so that's why I never... It's a, it's a great location. I loved it. It is a great location, and that's the good thing about it. Uh, so, anyways, if you're interested in tickets, go to Winsoul Studios and uh, check them out on the web. And they, uh, you have to reserve a spot, by the way, because... They are limited. Anyway, so uh, earlier today, I posted something on my Facebook page. And Is that I put it, to go and look at it now? Well, I put it on our, our, our page, too, which is the Ghost Chronicles uh, International page. And it says, I know what I saw. Did you see that? 
I, I'm just as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> I see you follow me, don't you? I I am heading as we speak to yeah. to you Facebook. You can also to follow me on uh, on Twitter too. I'm in Baron Van Helsing uh, on Twitter, so you can uh, follow me there as well. So, but anyway, so I put. This oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a guy who looks. Um, did you Did you watch the video? It's only shot video. You should definitely yeah, I'm watch watching it now. Um, yeah. there's, there's a guy with a ball, and it looks like Professor Richard Wiseman. Really? And he's now, yeah, and he's now picking up a, a chair. And, uh, well, you know, yeah. this is what we've said many, many times, isn't it? The the I know what I saw, when in actual fact, that's that's probably like a red rag to a bull to you and I. Uh, well, especially to me, because people come up and they, they give you an explanation. They, they give you an account of their experience. And then when you say to them, well, actually, it probably was, well, I know what I saw. And then they get all indignant and shout at you. Well, so, the thing is, they know what they saw, senses. but what they saw, was it really what they saw? Well, we have to rely on our senses. I mean, if you're coming up to a big intersection and you see a, a truck coming, you know, you have to rely on the fact that your senses are telling you there's a truck there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to avoid the truck. So we learn to trust our senses. So it's not surprising, therefore, that people have this inherent trust of what they see, what they hear, uh, what they smell. You know when they sense that they're being touched, but mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't realise, and, and I think the video illustrates very well, is that in actual fact the whole of the world around us is, uh, to use a word from psychology, a construct. It's it's an imagined word built inside our brain, real uh, from the sensory information that's put into it, and we know from, for example, from research that's been done uh, relating to electromagnetic waves, to infrasound, uh, that our senses can be fooled, it can be tricked into having these hallucinations, uh, sensory hallucinations that can affect all five of the senses, and that we can feel that there's somebody in the room, we can feel that we've been touched, we, we believe that we can see something, and it's absolutely the case that we... We see something, um, and that's why I've never had any issue about people seeing ghosts, because people do see ghosts. They see apparitions. They see uh, phantoms of the living. They see phantoms of the dead. They hear footsteps in empty buildings, and they are real experiences. And to dismiss them out of hand as a, oh, you imagined it, is clearly disingenuous and clearly wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing about it, it it's all about perspective, perceptive, perception. And, uh, you know, you're not wrong. You did see what you saw, but did you really see what you saw? In other words, did it really, is it really what you saw uh, did in, in the greater reality versus your own reality? Uh, well, there's no doubt in my mind that they saw what they saw. But it may not necessarily be, uh, for lack of a better word, truth of what really they saw. Well, Does that even also, make sense? <laughs> yeah, well, well kind of. But it also, it also, I mean, we also have to factor into that um, our learning, our experience, our expectations of what's going to happen. You think of, let's just think of something really, really simple like the, the colour red. Uh, we all understand the colour red, unless, of course, you're red colorblind in which case you don't but we understand the color red because we know it's red we know it's red not because it's an inherent knowledge of red but because we've been taught from an early age that that is red Mm -hmm. 
Um, if we had been taught from a very early age that it was blue, then it would be very, very difficult in the absence of any, you know, any information to the contrary to convince somebody that the sky, you know, <laughs> wasn't red. Right. And that rosy apples weren't blue. Because it, it's only that we're conditioned to respond, uh, you know, that there is this uh, artificial construct, construct of the world around us that goes on by our brain. Our brain tries to make sense of reality. You have, for example, um, well, let's take, for example, amputees. Uh, they can still sense that they have arms or, or legs, phantom limbs, that in, 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 in every sense of the word to their brain are still there. They can feel every part of that phantom limb, and yet it's completely absent. But the brain, the sensory system, doesn't acknowledge that absence because the nerves are still that, that formerly used to send information from there are still sending information. But the brain is hardwired to interpret that information as coming from a phantom limb. So we take, we take data into our brain and we analyze it according to our own beliefs. Uh, you, you know, it's the old saying, for instance, if you showed a photograph to someone who uh, chases ghosts, they say that might be spirit energy. If somebody else uh, might see the same one, for instance, uh, was very religious, and they say, well, that's the Blessed Virgin Mary. And then somebody else who believed in aliens, well, said that's, uh, you know, that's uh, extra ET there. And, you know, it goes on and on and on. But it's all according to our own perspective. Uh, they're all seeing the same picture, but they're interpreting the data differently. Well, that's absolutely the case. Um, I mean, what if we can borrow from last week's show uh, when we had Cal on, and Cal has done a, a book, mm -hmm. which we know well, Telephone Calls from the Dead, and the book is about people who have interpreted phone calls as coming from uh, people they know to be deceased, relatives, etc. Mm -hmm. But there is also a group of people who receive telephone calls with strange voices, um, that are exactly the same in every way to telephone calls that are perceived to be from the dead people. And yet these people believe that they're coming from alien intelligences, from other planets, from uh, aliens on this planet, aliens cutting into the phone line to send them subliminal messages. I so there you have it. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying. To, they're usually trying to sell insurance. Um, but but you are Jehovah but, Witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> but you have that interpretation. People believe, some people believe that it's aliens phoning them up. Some people believe it's their, their dead relative who's phoning them up. Yeah, so I mean, it, that's, it, that's the what you believe. And, and, and the interesting is, thing, Steve, is, is that, you know, a lot of people are quick to criticize other people's in, yeah, other people's, wow, I can't even speak this today, but other people in, in, you know, saying you're wrong, you're wrong. But in reality, they're measuring that right or wrong through their own uh, interpretation of the data, uh, their own personal interpretation of the data. Unless it's, you know, uh, well, I, I don't even know if you can say that. But uh, d does that make sense or is it? No, it makes sense. But, I mean, the thing, I mean, skeptics and for, for trying to be dismissive um, you know they say yes. well, clearly you didn't see it it's clearly you imagined it clearly it's all made up it's a hoax it's an illusion um, when in actual fact it's a completely real experience mm -hmm. uh, 
that that it, on the on the part of the skeptics who are usually very intelligent people. Let's be honest. They you know um, we take some of the leading skeptics are also leading academics, um, and so you would expect them to know a little bit better, but they they don't tend to in their quest for skepticism and their their whole, their sort of uh, entrenched position. Um, you know, these experiences are absolutely real. And, and they must be treated as real. Formerly, as, as, as you know, and uh, possibly a lot of the listeners know, I used to work in nursing. And one of the great difficulties that we used to have to uh, deal with was people's perception of pain. Um, and what somebody would describe as an excruciating pain, an unbearable pain for which they mm-hmm. required immediate analgesia and, and, and support to other people uh, would be dismissed as a a minor inconvenience and you have this this problem of how people perceive pain but there's no way of measuring it we have pain scales where the person indicates from um from zero from sorry yeah i love that the doctor tell you yeah can you tell me where the pain is from one to ten it's like yeah what the hell is that? But, but that's the only way they can measure pain. There isn't a, a device, a, a painometer that they can strap to the patient to to judge the pain. They only have to go on what the what, what the patient perceives the pain to be. And yet, you know, we accept that in terms of medicine, but we don't take that in terms of human uh, experience. So, you know, do should we have a ghost scale from you know <laughs> from one to ten? I don't know. Would it work? How would you you even devise it? You wouldn't, but the point I'm making is that you have to rely on the account that you're being given, the first basis of any investigation, um, any any investigation of a claim, uh, rather than a speculative investigation where you just go to an old building because you think it might have a ghost, is somebody has had an experience, and you're if you you have to start off on the basis of their experience was a real experience, right? And, I mean, and you're always playing catch up, aren't you? You, you? That's all the information you've got. You, you've got no additional information. You haven't got photography or video or at that stage. So you are entirely reliant upon witness testimony, like a, like a police uh, arriving at the scene of a, an accident or a homicide. You are initially totally reliant upon the information that the witness provides and then you test that information you look for the for the clues for the ev- within the evidence to see if the testimony of the witness holds up right i mean that's the intriguing thing about what we do it, it's just are we proving the paranormal are we attempting to prove improve, uh, prove the witness or, or validate the witness well, I think that the biggest mistake that many investigators make is, and you see this time and time and time again on their web pages and on their Facebook pages, is that they are setting out to prove the paranormal or debunk the paranormal or prove, um, even more strangely perhaps, survival of death. And you see this, this claim, we, we aim to seek proof. That's the wrong approach. It has to be the wrong approach because... You've already, if you're seeking a proof, you've already pre- pre-decided that it exists. You're just looking for oh, verification. Oh, it doesn't exist one way or the other, yeah. right? And yeah, and you're just looking for verification of your own personal pet theory. You have the witness information. That's, that's all you've got. Um, now, people see ghosts. We've, we've said it hundreds and hundreds of times. People see ghosts. But why do people see ghosts? There are 
thousands of possibilities as to why a particular person had an experience. And the role of the investigator isn't to seek the afterlife, isn't to prove the paranormal, it's to understand the experience, surely. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually trying to find a... Uh, we, we did get an email that I wanted... didn't respond to it because I wanted to get your thoughts on it as well because... It, it complains again about me being elitist. <laughs> I wish it was that easy, Steve. I wish it wasn't, but uh, no, it was not. <laughs> for any, uh, what year is this, anyways? 2015, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, while well, I track this down, but uh, I mean, that's the interesting thing. And now, okay, because, okay, somebody posted, I, I believe uh, Lou Blasey posted, uh, I uh, went on the Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition about. An orb at a space center. We we mm. talked a little bit about this before, and yet to them that was proof, uh, but to you it certainly wasn't, right? Uh, well, we, we've discussed orbs many many times, and we know that right, uh, right. we know that they right. have a perfectly rational explanation. Now but, that doesn't mean that every light anomaly that's that's seen or caught on camera is. Uh, yeah, a piece of dust. The, uh -huh. There were light anomalies that pre-existed photography. Uh, you have the will-o'-the-wisp in North America, um, and, and we have corpse candles here in Wales. Now, what we saw on the NASA uh, museum video was clearly um, most like a dust orb. And, you know, you know, the, I'm sure you know the saying, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Right. And if something, if, if I use this word, the paranormal, um, it should be by definition almost an incredibly rare phenomena. It shouldn't happen on a day-to-day -day basis. And yet things like orbs, they, they pop up, you know, they're everywhere. Um, they, but that's the thing, that they we understand. Yeah, they're all over the... Uh... The Facebook. I mean, it's a it's a highly ordinary thing, a highly normal thing, right? It's so normal that most camera manufacturers nowadays actually include a page on the instruction manual of their digital cameras, explaining the phenomena and explaining the causes and explaining the solutions to preventing the phenomena. Mm -hmm. um, now, when a manufacturer of a, of a device does that, when the manufacturer who, let's be honest, has built, designed, built, understands the device, the, 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 whatever the machine is, better than anybody else in the world because it's their machine. When they say this machine will produce these and they are perfectly normal and this is what causes it, then that should be the end of any discussion relating to that sort of anomaly. Right, but... Okay, it's true. But it isn't, is it? Because, no. like, let's be honest, I mean, people like to still believe that orbs are paranormal. People like to cling on to the belief that... And it, it comes down, basically, to survival, doesn't it? People like to believe that death isn't final. We all hope that death isn't final. We all hope that we survive, pass over into a, a better world, a better life. Uh, something beyond death, and we hope our loved ones who've gone before us have have crossed over, and they're all safe. And that's why people intrinsically go to mediums uh, to make sure that you know it's all okay on the other side, and everybody's fine and happy. Mm -hmm. That's what people are, you know, the majority of people are looking for. Uh, uh, continued verification. Uh, tell me again, we survived death. I'm going to look for ghosts because if ghosts exists, uh, we survived death. 
Now, just just tell me again, Mr. Medium, um, we survived death, don't we? Tell me again, my, my, my relatives are on the other side, so we've survived death and I'll survive death. It's, 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 it's essentially constant reassurance. When people go to mediums, when people go on ghost hunts, when people seek the paranormal, they're seeking a reassurance that, you know, that death isn't the end. And it might well be the end, because we've got no information from anybody that's come back from the other side successfully... Um, we have near-death experiences. And we have people yes, we who've been dead for. We have people who've been dead for for up to, uh, several hours in some cases who report very strange experiences that are highly suggestive of something beyond death. And we have neuropsychologists and neuroscientists who say yes, but we can explain that perhaps. We also, interestingly, have some very good accounts for um, of reincarnation. So it might not, not just be that we survive death, but we also might come back round again. It's sort of like nature's way of recycling, perhaps. Interesting thought. We get you know we get crushed and you know sort of remelted and become come back as a coke can. The other thing, I, you know, it, it, I did want to talk, and it kind of goes with talking about uh, mediums, and especially, and 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 groups as well. Uh, they'll always say there's no time on the other side, and that to me, I don't know. It just it to me that there's not enough evidence to prove that time doesn't exist on the other side. Uh, it may go on for eternity, but you know, for instance, anniversary hauntings. How can they be? Uh, anniversary hunters if there's no time on the other side. And are they cognizant of our side? Do they see us in our modern clothes? Uh, do they see the world as it is now or was it as it was then? Well, we uh, have that conundrum, don't we? Well, that's the... one. It is a huge conundrum, and unfortunately, the only information we've got is from the uh, the only information we have from the other side comes to us via mediums, um, often dictating the words of spirits. We have uh, back in, we have many we have Emanuel Swedenborg back in the 18th century, of course, and we have one of the most famous books uh, written by Oliver Lodge Raymond, which was about his son who was killed in in the in the Great War, um, who just describes in, in, in great detail what it's like. And I'm just looking at my bookshelves now. I can hit, see the way of life, news from the next world. I lent a hand to a ghost. There's one ghost to another. Um, the Betty book. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of accounts written by mediums who have messages from the other side with detailed descriptions of the afterlife, of the summer land, of the world beyond death. And do you know what? They're all very, very different. Some people say it's timeless. Some people say it's just like here. Some people say it's the, that they can interact with and, and, uh, and keep a watchful eye on the living. Some people say that they, they see God, that they see Jesus. Uh, some people describe it as purgatory. There are, there are so many conflicting accounts. So, again, we've had many mediums on the show, and you hear the same contradictions between the mediums uh, time and time again. Uh, if, you, if people go back through the archive of, of this Chronicles International, Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation, and listen to the, the interviews with mediums about their beliefs and about what, what they perceive to be beyond death, they will tell you different things, because that's what they intrinsically believe. 
and they contradict each other time and time again. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I think that's why you and I do this because it is so fascinating. Uh, at least that's why I do it. Uh, it's not for the money, is it? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Forty years, <laughs> dollar a day, <laughs> dollar a day. But uh, some people think there's a lot of money in this. Believe it or not, and and uh, it's a huge amount of money in the uh, paranormal. It's yeah. a wash with money. Yeah, it's definitely what I was thinking. Uh, but it, it's all, it's so interesting as far as, uh, you know, the, all the theories about everything that occurs and uh, everything that we do. And, yeah, the problem you know, that you service. have, well, that's just it. That's the problem you have, isn't it? Dealing with people. Um, there, there, is your, there is the weakness in this whole thing, is the human element. Uh, and people's theories. People have. You've seen the way that religion, um, different religions fight, and different religions fall out with each other um, because man is like that. People have these beliefs, their beliefs that they are right, that everybody else is infidels and whatever, and that they're that they're wrong, and that practicing this that way is wrong and will send you to hell, and practicing it my way will. Yeah, we you know will evangelize you. You you have the the Westboro Baptists. You have the Catholics did it right across South America in the seventeenth mm-hmm. century. Um, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to beat you into submission. And you see that with ghost hunting. You see that with paranormal investigation. You see it between mediums also. Um, you know, I mean, let's go back to the orb and this NASA thing before. One of the things that you see now quite commonly on paranormal groups. Uh, pages, information pages, when it deals with orbs, is a, a statement that 99% of orbs are paranormal, are, are, are perfectly normal, that they're dust, that they're insects and whatever else flying about. Exactly. 1%, 1% is paranormal. Now, interestingly, usually the one, the one that they've got is the 1%. So if every group's got the 1%, <laughs> I guess they're, they're just that, lucky, yeah. huh? I just... Uh... Well, that's because they're professionals, that's all. Well, it's like EVP as well, isn't it? You know, you you see week in, week out uh, on YouTube and on Facebook, uh, EVP claims, extraordinary EVP claims. Now, the Society for Psychical Research was formed in 1882. Before that, you had the Ghost Club in 1862. You had the American Society for Psychical Research in 1884. And you have some very experienced investigators America Harold over here you know the other ghost hunters Harry Price etc over here uh, who have all been looking who have all been contributing to the knowledge and after all of this time 150 plus years we still don't really have the answers to what is this very interesting human experience except on a Sunday morning when you switch Facebook on when you have absolute proof from all over the place, from everybody that was out on the Saturday night loading up their EVPs and their orbs and their amazing apparitions and their phantoms caught on film. And yet, you know, we're still no better off, are we? We're still no further forward. Well, anyways, we do have to take a break right now. So uh, when I come back, I found the letter that uh, I received, and and so I'm going to... 
we'll address it afterwards. So anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolak right here on Tojanet, Parax, Planet Paranormal, Radio Crackling, wherever else we are. We'll be right back and follow the messages. Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be with remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased. We'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give the awards to the Parrax family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Kolak, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Benford Hall, the Downton Abbey of Venice. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. To tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles and Next Generation. On Tokenet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your tune-in app. I'll catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. Great American institution that started a war. I wish anyway, I had a cup of right now. <laughs> You know, you Americans drink tea. I'm British. I drink coffee. Oh, that's a shame. Well, there you Carry go. on. Um, yeah, back to part, part two. Part two of Ghost. We, can I? Should I intro the show? Back to yeah, part sure. two of Ghost Chronicles International. The Ron and Steve Happy Hour. Yeah, you see. Um, yeah, before yeah, the yeah. break, 
before the break we were discussing something or other and after the break we we have a letter that Ron's finally found um, yeah, and then we have a que- <laughs> yeah, and then we have a question in the chat room about the book um, well what do you want so to do we'll, you want to do the book first well, or you want we'll to do, do the letter no we'll, we'll, we'll do the letter first because that, okay. that's been waiting longest I'm sure John can hold on because he's just come back from walking the dog so uh, oh with his yo-yo uh, it says he has to walk the dog and then uh, I'm not yeah, going to say yo-yo. that I yeah, can't say he's... Did you ever walk the dog with the yo-yo? No. Oh, yeah, it's a trick. You take it and you drop it down, and, and the, 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 uh, the yo-yo spins on the bottom, and you kind of, like, walk it on the, on the ground. It's called walking the dog. Is it? Yeah, pretty cool. Around the world, it's another mm-hmm. one. I think he actually means a real dog, because I think dog needs to go to the bathroom. Ah, uh, whatever. Uh, you just clarified... Uh, that John is it the dog that needed the bathroom, or have you attached the dog to a bungee cord and you're using? No, 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 no. It's a yo-yo. Don't you have yo-yos in the England? Yo, yo-yo. Yeah, do the letter. All right, fine, whatever. Uh, Ron, I have been interested. Oh, I see. I wasn't introduced in this one. Just no, wrong. you weren't. Uh, yeah, okay. it was sent to me. Remember? Uh, I've had an interest and been drawn to the paranormal and parapsychology since I was a young child. I have purchased every book on the subject that I could find, which I still do today. So you're going to want paracoustics, right? Well, nice segue into, into John's question. Yeah. So anyway, um, I've debunked every location case that I've ever researched or investigated. With my occupation, I travel all over the United States. I uh, was a Corning engineer, so he worked for Corning. I think now he still does, but he's on the sales side, uh, which allows me to investigate several famous hauntings uh, with the same ending result, debunked. My question is to you, is, wait a minute, my question for you is, have you ever had a stretch during your career, I didn't know I had a career, but I guess I do, uh, where you felt that you were doing something wrong? Oh, this is interesting. Uh, that perhaps the paranormal doesn't exist. Hmm, interesting. Thank you for your time, podcast, and honesty. I continue and continuing to educate your fans and listeners. Sincerely, Jeffrey. So, interesting question. Uh, because it's an interesting question, actually. Yeah, I mean, he says he he debunks everything. I think that's probably his first mistake. Well, we covered that in the first half of the show, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But just to uh, but the question reiterate. itself, the question itself is interesting. Okay, go ahead. But he addressed it to you, so you get first. No, no, it's both of us. He said uh, podcast. Yeah, but, so. but, but he addressed that it to you. You. So you, you can have first go. Ooh, listen to you, British. You know, you. British. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Politeness. Yeah, only in public. I heard you guys. Are <laughs> Besides you. Really wow. rambled on that much. I've forgotten, I've forgotten the question now. Uh, it, it, he says he's gone to several locations. He debunked everything. Oh, that's right. He, he says, he says does, yeah, he says, uh, do you ever feel where you felt you were doing something wrong? And the second part of the question went, and that uh, or perhaps the paranormal doesn't exist. And, and that's a two-part question, but uh, I don't know. Uh, well, the first one, are you doing something wrong? How do you answer that? If he's debunked everything, what is he doing wrong? Is he doing it wrong because he's looking at it as a debunking thing, as we talked earlier in the show? Well, 
I, th- I think the approach is wrong, but it, I, he's actually asking the question about us, whether we think we're doing it wrong. Now, if I said, no, I don't think I'm doing it wrong, then we're going to get another email next week saying that Steve's being elitist again. Yeah, um, That's why they come to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it doesn't, it's not, as we said in the first half, it's not a hunt to prove the existence of the paranormal. Or prove the existence oh, the just existence. No. Or, yeah. Or, or, well, it's the same. It's the same thing. You either prove or disprove, uh, yeah. or to or to prove or otherwise that we survive death. Right. People people have these experiences, and like any other human experience, it needs to be understood. Investigated. Investigate. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It yeah. needs to be understood. Now, if if we were to adopt the attitude that it's a waste of time, we would never have understood many of the. Uh, mental processes, many of the normal aspects of psychology. In fact, many of the conditions that we now recognise to be illness or normal human behaviour, because mm-hmm. people uh, you know, recognise that there was something that needed to be studied. In fact, that's the, the whole basis of our entire knowledge of the, of the world uh, in which we live, and I mean the greater universe in which we live, is because somebody has experienced it, somebody has seen a light in the sky and gone, I wonder what that light in the sky is. I wonder why that, that big bright, I wonder why that big bright light comes up over there and then goes across the sky and goes down over there. It's an experience that people have had and then they've gone off and studied it and came up with ideas. I mean, some of the ideas were wrong, that the earth, that the sun went round the earth and etc. etc. or the, the big giant supported the earth on the back of an elephant. There have been all sorts of pe- ideas as people try to get to grips with the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, some of them will be wrong. And I think one of the one of the things about being uh, a good investigator is to recognise when you're up a blind alley or that you cannot get any further up, a, up an alley. Uh, for example, we, we know that we can't... There haven't been any successful ghost photographs that I'm aware of. There have been many intriguing and interesting photographs that have changed... Wait, 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 That was kind of a bold sentence. It was a bold sentence. So what about the brown lady, Rayham Hall? You tell me that's crap? No, I said there isn't a ghost photograph that we can conclusively say is a ghost because we don't know. Well, what we don't it, know what a ghost is, right? Exactly. Okay. So okay. you All can't right. say that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Okay. We we have we have lo- we have a number of very interesting photographs that have been properly tested um, by every conceivable method at the time and and current. I get the negatives have been analysed, they've been gone off to the filmmakers, they've been looked at uh, endlessly, and they people cannot come up with an explanation that fits. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but nonetheless, there is still this figure, if we take the brown lady. Some people have claimed it's a double exposure. Unfortunately, when you look at the claim, the claim is based upon a print, not a, not a negative. Um, and so there is a flaw there. There is a possible flaw. It may have been a double exposure, but equally it may just have been that the, the double exposure is a, uh, an effect of the, pre- the paper moving during the printing process when it was placed under the enlarger. Uh, but we, don't, we can't say, yes, I've recorded the voices of the dead. I've got a photograph of a ghost because we just don't know what they are. And so this idea of rushing around with full-spectrum cameras, uh, 
this idea of looking for ghosts with thermal imaging cameras, this idea of recording the dead on, on radios, on, on, on tape machines and on recorders, is, is intrinsically flawed because we don't know what it is we're supposed to be look, looking for. And it's not repeatable. It, I mean, the sun came up every morning, which gave people a fighting chance of trying to understand what it was all about. And if, if we can take that space analogy a little further, um, if we look at gravity, now, science doesn't truly understand what gravity is. It knows what it does, but it doesn't really understand what it is. But it acts upon fixed bodies. It makes planets go around. It, it makes um, things that you made go and land on the moon. Um, so we can predict what it's going to do, and we can use that knowledge to do clever things. Now, supposing, but we still don't know very much about gravity. Um, now, supposing, for example, that this force, uh, we'll call it psi, for want of another word, this, this weird paranormal force, it used to be called the ether. Supposing that's acting only on a variable body, so it's acting on the human being. So it's, it's not behaving in a way that's predictable and measurable because the, 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 the object it's acting upon is completely variable also. So your experience of this force will be different than mine, will be different than somebody else's, will be different from everybody else's. Mm-hmm. So, so, but it, it still might be a natural force. Right. But so let's go back to yeah. one of the statements he made, you know, actually a question that perhaps the paranormal doesn't exist. So we, we say we can't really define what a ghost is, but can we define what paranormal is? And, and I think we can. What's your thoughts on that? Well, we know what the word means. Um, the word means that it's not normal, that it's currently inexplicable by normal explanation. I mean, that's just a simple dictionary definition, but right. we, we throw lots of things into the paranormal, don't we? We, we chuck Bigfoot, we throw flying saucers, um, aliens, lake monsters, ghosts. Which or... makes sense, because those are all things that there is no proof of that is normally accepted. Well, is it, is it acceptable that they're all in the same bucket? Well, as a general thing, paranormal. Why, if you're you're talking about ghosts, then you're talking about ghosts. If you're talking about something else, paranormal is is a general term describing all those things that are not generally accepted that are uh, that we can't explain uh, easily. Uh, To me, that don't normally occur. Yes, it is, because if you've got a Bigfoot, I mean, that's, you know, it's not accepted. If you've got flying saucers, I mean, people don't accept that flying saucers. NASA, NASA accepts that there's life on other planets. Well, whatever. That's, that's, it's a big jump from life on the other planets to actually having that life come here and us to see it, yet is we it, have, is it re- just is like it really, ghosts. Is it really such a big jump, though? Yes, it if is. We accept, because well, we accept universally now, science accepts the existence of life on other planets. It's just even, a Catholic, found even a Catholic church, church exactly. says that's, that you know, could happen. I mean, yes. If you take, for example, uh, for, for 30, 40 years, there was a particle uh, called the Higgs boson that yeah. science knew was there, but they couldn't find it. And mm-hmm. eventually they, divide, they built 
the, the accelerator at CERN, and they did the experiments, and they found the, the Higgs particle. Sort of like we, orbs and digital cameras, right? Well, sort of. We finally but, found the technology to discover orbs that were always there all the time. Um, well, we actually, I think the technology created the problem. <laughs> uh, but science now knows that there is life on other planets, exo-life. It just hasn't found it yet. So it's not really para- it's not paranormal, it's just undiscovered. And it might be that paranormal, you know, there are things that may be truly paranormal that are above explanation. There are many people who believe in ghosts, but they can't prove it, so therefore... Well, how about ghosts might... Well, you see, so many people see ghosts, and let's, you know, people have been seeing ghosts for, for thousands... Since the of, beginning of time, yeah. For thousands of years. And thousands of people every year see ghosts. Mm-hmm. So are ghosts, are, are ghosts just normal? Because if you go to Japan, if you go to uh, the Far East, if you go to uh, some of the, the older cultures, the Amerindian culture, the Aboriginal cultures, they don't say that they're paranormal because to them, ghosts are an entirely normal phenomena that ex- coexists in their world with them, the spirits of the ancestors. So it's not paranormal. It's, it's our perception of them being paranormal because all of those other cultures considered them to be entirely normal. Yeah, but there's no proof of them. Uh, it doesn't make any difference. There's no proof of God, but everybody would consider God to not be paranormal. God is certainly paranormal. Uh, not to lots of people. You go and ask your local priest if God's paranormal. Oh, to them, God is a normality. And if you if you take, I mean, there, how many billion Chinese are there? Now, in the Chinese culture, ghosts are normal. Therefore, the number of people who believe that ghosts are normal probably outnumbers the, people, the number of people who believe that ghosts are paranormal. But believing so, so and proving different speaking, things. Democratically like, speaking, ghosts are normal. <laughs> I wouldn't go along with that, but that's very... So anyways, <laughs> despite the term paranormal, does the paranormal exist? And I think there are... As a definition, things. yes. Yes. And, and, and I think, you know, like pictures like the, the, you know, the brown lady of Ram Hall is paranormal in that there is something there that we quite don't understand. Uh, do you disagree with that? No, I think that, I think that makes entirely uh, a sensible uh, judgment because there is something that has been studied and is withstanding scrutiny and failing to be explained by all conventional normal means. I think there you have a, a very strong case for it being labelled as paranormal. Mm-hmm. Because something has been studied extensively, I think going into a a, ha- a, a building that, that people say is haunted, or where people have had experiences on a Saturday night and listening to crackly noises on a radio and then claiming that's paranormal is a very weak argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and likewise, I would also, with with great respect to Jeffrey, also suggest that going around saying that you've debunked everything is also a very weak argument, because by what method did you debunk it? Right. He, he has debunked it to his own satisfaction. Um, so he has set a standard uh, for, for, the, for the level of evidence that he requires. He has assessed the case that has met his or exceeded his standard, and he considers it to be debunked. Now, and, the and standard the other thing, is variable. Go go I was going to say the standard is variable between people. Some yeah, people intrinsically exactly. accept that the crackly noise on the radio or the orb flying past the camera at the NASA museum is paranormal, and other people, the level of uh, evidence required is set higher. And then, of course, you have the 
secondhand experience, which makes it different. Uh, for instance, if you are a paranormal witness, if you are a witness that says, "Okay, I uh, I uh, saw this ghost go through this wall," and then someone you know goes to investigate this place and and they see a lights of a car going through the window that seems like it just goes flashes across and then disappears into the wall, I say, "Aha, there it is. Uh, I have." debunked it did they really oh, debunk it or did they just give an alternative explanation for it well again it comes down to the level of of what they consider if you take the famous enfield uh, case which a lot of the british listeners will know about that's fairly popular now that's that, that's uh, and, and because of, yeah. everywhere Oh, you, uh, we also have the show. It's just been a three-part dr- uh, docudrama done about the show so it's especially topical at the moment now that what you had there was some very very uh, compelling accounts of, of people's experiences um, and yet you had other investigators who, who went in they clearly saw the children um, playing games and as did every other investigator but they then said therefore the children did everything even when the children weren't in the house and were, were many miles away the children exactly. were still held responsible and there you have a, a perfect example of those people who have gone away. They've considered that they've debunked the case and that there's no more case to answer. Joe Nichol famously did that about the Oh, give case. me a break with Joe Nichols. You know, um, He's debunked everything I've done. <laughs> he's never well, met me, never seen anything I've done, but he's debunked it all because someone asked him, well, what do you think about this? Well, evidently he doesn't know what he's talking about because, uh, you know, I'm an English teacher and therefore I know. Uh, well, you know Joe, Joe Nickel has made a career out of debunking and being sceptical, and he has set his threshold for evidence, and he set it to the level of fa- that satisfies him. But that's what irritates me about Joe Nichols, is that, you know, if he had said, well, I haven't seen uh, the work that he did, but in past experiences, I know this or that. Uh, but just to say in a blanket thing, well, he's uh, absolutely probably an amateur. He's never, you know, really done anything. Uh, he, I don't you know, he's it's absolutely just a bunch of people running around looking for the thrill or whatever. It, it, he's just so dismissive in, in what he does and thinks, well, if I say it, it is therefore true. And that is a ball of crap. So Exactly. Um, and it's very, very bad science. And Nickel sets himself up as, as a man of science. I know, that's what kills me. A man yes. of education. Yes. And as you say, it's a man of BS. Um, yeah. And his approach is pure BS. And he's not just, he's not one, he's not one, on a, one alone. He's one of many. Um, but as time's clicking on, we've still got John's question in the chat room. Which, oh, I'm uh, so sorry, Steve. Uh, which anyways, I, I, I actually can answer really quickly. Because well, before we, get to it, I, I, before we get to it, I just want to okay. thank uh, Jeffrey for uh, sending in uh, his letter. And, and I will uh, send you a hard copy, too, on that. But uh, we want to thank you. And if everybody else has a, wants to send us yeah. an email, they can send it to negoesproject uh, at comcast.net, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject. Um, at Comcast.net. Oh, how about you, Steve? You got an email? Or, or you can just message us on Facebook. On oh, the, that works Facebook. too. Yeah, uh, don't put it on the on the wall of Ghost Chronicles International because it will just get lost amongst everything else. But directly messages on Ghost Chronicles International Facebook page, and we'll do the questions on air. There you go. Well, if you don't want it on air, if you don't want it on air, we won't put it on air either. So there, there you go. go so. All right. So your your uh, question from John. Well, John's asked, uh, okay, I got a question about your book, Steve, which I assume, um, what, what, what is it about? Um, 
Well, I, I really I could do this really quickly by referring John to um, the audio last stream for last week's show, which was entirely dedicated to the book Paracoustics, which is now available on Amazon.com, Amazon India, Amazon Japan, Amazon.co.uk, and in fact all of the Amazon sites are now carrying it. And ignore the delivery date, which is saying three to five weeks. It's about three to five days now for all copies. It's available in hardback, it's available in paperback, or if you have a Kindle, iPad, or e-reader, it's available in that format as well. Oh, wow. Um, Quite impressive. And I have, uh, I will be bringing a hard copy over, a hardback copy over for you in September. Because we've, we've got Spirit Quest to do in September. Right. Nice link in there. Is Zan going to sign it for me? Anne? Yeah. Why would Anne sign it? She has a, a contributed to that book. Hey, she has. I can't post it up to. I, well, I can't. No, it's impractical. I can't Wait post. I thought you. I thought you worked with her. Uh, you said we live two hundred miles apart. Well, how do you investigate together? Uh, psychically. Ah, uh -huh, the truth is coming out. You know, I've never seen this parascience team, and I'm telling you, I don't know if it exists. No, it exists. It exists. It no, is. no, no. Unless I can poke it with a stick, I know it's not there. Well, we know it's there because you're talking. In fact, you've had several of them on, on, the, on this very radio show. Yeah, yeah. So, John, that's... I hope that answered your question. If you played back last week's radio Could show. Could be multiple show... personalities of you. Yeah, the book's called Paracoustics, and it's uh, Sound and the Paranormal. So it has chapters that, that talk about the physics of sound, the psychology of sound. It has chapters uh, Good that, that talk about... Noisy ghosts and spirits, electronic voice phenomena in some detail, poltergeist rapping, uh, spirit music, music and death. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, we did all this last week. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, just answering John's question and getting in yeah, a yeah. more shameless plug. You probably planted it for all I know. I didn't. John, just confirm that I didn't plant the thing. And we, yeah. still don't know whether you, we still don't know whether John, John's dog is on a bungee cord being used as a yo-yo. I don't know. I can't figure that one out myself. But anyways, that's, that's a the, scary uh, thought, isn't it? So I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about my red light seance. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I do a monthly uh, uh, red light seance group, and uh, Jim uh, Stonier does the monitoring of the situation on the cameras and so forth and everything, all that stuff. And it's kind of like a takeoff on uh, Thomas Gwendolyn Hamilton. So uh, it's kind of cool. I'm excited about it. But uh, eventually, our goal is to go beyond into uh, physical mediumship, which is really, really cool. Uh, for those who don't know what physical mediumship is, is, that's when objects actually move, which is really cool. So that being said, uh, we had an interesting one last week uh, where a spirit came through, and this spirit was the husband of one of the women there. And she, she ended up crying quite profusely uh but it was interesting because a lot of the stuff that you know when it was first coming out uh didn't make sense uh to me especially and, and other people in the group but it all was stuff that associated with her husband who had uh recently died so um it was kind of cool and and of course it was the first time she had gone to the group too, which made it even more righteous because uh, Leslie, who was doing the mediumship there, although we, we don't have a single medium, we just, anybody gets any ideas, they can certainly put them through. Um, never met her before. So, that, I mean, that was interesting. And the other thing, which was really, uh, or maybe I'll do it in two parts. I think we will do it. Just. So what's your thoughts on that? Where, where we have information that comes through on that type of uh, 
level. Well, it's technique is is certainly being used by psychical research for a very long time. It's fallen out of favour somewhat in recent years, but was used by all of the great investigators. Um, and there have been, we say, uh, John's just reminded us of pizza's here, but, but we do say, and we've said it many times, that, that there is compelling evidence that there are um, seances where interesting things have happened. I don't want to use the word interesting, where phenomenal things have taken place, things that, that have left science or left, the, the, left Joe Nickel gasping for an explanation. Um, other than, oh, it's all, all make-believe and hoax because he said so. Because I would challenge um, anybody or, or, <laughs> of that ilk to consider, you know, to actually go to the research and to look at some of the sounds information that's come through um, from, from other researchers and to try and uh, tease it apart. It's easy to sit back and be, become a keyboard warrior and say it's all bunkum, um, but there is some very interesting uh, seance information and I would let the uh, I will end the show by saying to anybody go and google the R101 seances that's the airship R101 uh, it was written about um, in a number of books the event took place uh, just before the, the second world war with one of the big airships a British airship about the size of the in fact bigger than the Hindenburg that crashed in France and uh, most of the crew were killed Mm -hmm. But then thereafter followed a number of seances between Harry Price, uh, who was trying to contact Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. The yeah, well, let's check it out because we got like out. 15. We, we got to wrap it up now. We got about seven seconds, but I just want to warn you too. We also had a Jewish uh, concentration camp survivor come through, and he warned us that there would be a terrorist attack in the UK. So, um, oh, okay. warning. So we got to wrap it up. Good night and God bless. Thanks for listening. Good night, God bless. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good Lord. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of 